census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Thursday podcast. I am your host, Patrick Ray. Hope you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here in the uh, bowels of Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave, uh, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee, as we are part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. Uh, check out thedorkening.com for like close to 40 shows at this point. We just keep growing all the time, and we just keep winning awards. The multi-award winning Dorkening Podcast Network, one uh, led by one Leo Pond, uh, winner of multiple awards himself. So, uh, yeah, definitely check us out. But I'm not here by myself. I am here, as always, by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Ashes von Nightmare. You know what my favorite part about going on vacation is? That we're not home and we're... Not well, well like, I mean, the fact that I'm not at work. So aside from wine. the fact that I'm not at work, my favorite part about going on vacation is day drinking. I was going to say unlimited wine. All um, the wines. But like, but here's the thing, you know, if you if you day drink during a typical day, it's it's frowned upon. Like you say, you know, you're not at work, you're do, but but like it's it's frowned upon in society for the most part. Like, oh, what did you do this weekend? Oh, I unless you're like, you know, wine tasting or something like that. You're, that, that that's the classy way to day drink. Like, I'm oh, what did you do? I'm not having a glass do? of wine. I'm having six. six. It's, it's called, called a tasting, tasting and it's classy. classy. Uh, but no, but that's the thing. Like, you can go on vacation and people expect you to, like, eat your face off and and drink a lot. So I just, I love those expectations. I am so looking forward to my annual pineapple painkiller like i i can't wait for my pineapple like can you can you taste it already there is something about not being at work being on cape cod and having a glass of your of, of wine in your hand at the local vineyard that just feels so right just feels so right. Yeah, support local businesses. Uh, that's what I always say. And yeah. So this is the this is the pre-vacay episode of Throwdown Thursday. So I'm gonna apologize in advance if we're a little out of it because I am in vacation mode already. Even though you have another day uh, of work. You know what? We're one just one more day just, of work, I and just... then. But we are heading down a day early because uh, we're going to see my aunt. Uh, we're gonna stay with her one night, and then we're gonna check into our hotel the next day. Unfortunately. Those two places are like ten minutes apart, mm-hmm. so it's I'm awesome. And go I don't drink wine at the beach. And see, we've been doing this for so excited. This will be our eleventh trip down there for oh our anniversary. God. Yes, and um, 
we we've kind of got it down to a science, but like our first day there is kind of it's kind of rushed, and I don't want to say it's a waste because we're not at work, we're not at home, but it's like by the time we get down there and like we kind of decompress after driving and we like you know hit the bathroom and unpack and get everything situated, and you know we go shopping because we have a stove in our our uh, room, so we make our own dinner, or I should say Ashes makes dinner, and. We, you know, we get everything situated and it's like, shit, now it's time to zip down to the beach so we can drink a bottle of wine while watching the sunset over the ocean, which is like one of the best parts of vacation. Like, that's all we've got time to do. Like, that's, you know, we're there, we're there for, you know, a couple hours and it's like the first day is already over. So getting an extra day is kind of nice. We can get all that running around done first. We can visit. You know, and then we can. This is riveting radio. Is I was riveting. just talking about day drinking, and I know that you know there are people that people are out care there. so much no, about no. the fact that we're going to see your aunt. No, but people are out there thinking they're like, yeah, you know, the first day of vacation is always so difficult because you're just kind of getting acclimated to wherever you're going. So you know, that's all I'm saying. You know, I'm sure people can relate to that. But we have a uh, a fun and exciting getting into character question for you today because. We're going to be discussing uh, one of my favorite and one of your most recent uh, new favorite uh, apocalyptic films. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that you just got introduced to, what, last year? Yeah, this was a film that we watched during that uh, span of quarantine where I was watching a bunch of films that I hadn't seen before. Yep. And we talked about some of these characters and some of these films, um, you know, last year after after watching them, like the like Blues Brothers. Yep, you had I'd never, never seen, seen Blues that. Brothers. Um, um, there, was, there were a couple others, too. I mean, obviously the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy mm-hmm. thing that we did, um, you know, those were first time watches for me as well but this film was a first time watch for me and I really in, I, it's again one of those films that I watched and I was like how did this fly under my radar for so long uh, and I don't know if it was because it just wasn't super popular when it came out or if it's just you know my uh, my taste in films have changed films. films my taste in films have changed over the years I've become slightly more sophisticated, and um, you can appreciate different things about well, movies I, now. I think that's yeah. that's it. You know, I my uh, my palate has expanded when it comes to different movies and you know even television series and stuff. So I'm more apt to give things a chance now than I was before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, that's what I'm going to chalk it up to. I'm going to chalk it up to the fact that maybe I just wasn't interested. You know, well, it wasn't something that I would have been interested in before. You know, well, kind of like the Mummy. Yeah, the Mummy. You know. It's it's not something that I really would have been uh, drawn to at a certain point in my life, but like now I'm all for it. So, and this is one of those films where I just, you know, so this was my second viewing in yeah. preparation for doing and podcast it was my research. My second viewing in less than a week, right? I because I walked in movie. on you watching it, and I was like, oh, Why "How are you dare you this? watch this without me?" Yeah, because <laughs> like, you, you were going I was to like, visit "Yeah, yeah." I'm like, actually, sister. these characters would be really great to do on Throwdown. And you're like, "Well, I'll watch it again." And I'm and like, I, "Well, I'm going to hold you to it." And I did. I loved this. You movie. watched a whole slew of really good films, and I was pissed at you for watching them without me yeah well i told you i would rewatch them um so this film we were talking about reign of fire from 2002 with a fucking stellar cast christian bale 
uh, Gerard, uh, Gerard Butler, Butler Matthew, and McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Like, and, and Matthew McConaughey was the top billed star because he was the biggest star in that film at the t- at the time. At the time, yeah. At like, the time, Bale had been in like Newsies and I think Equilibrium prior to that, which Equilibrium's a fucking great movie. Um, but this is pre Batman. Mm-hmm. This is pre like everything else that he's done. Yeah, same with Gerard Butler. This is pre. Obviously, pre three hundred, pre, pre everything. Every, like, yeah, this was him, because uh, like this was the f- this was the film that kind of got them out there. It got them, got them more noticed. exposed to mainstream audiences, and you know, kind of to touch on what you were saying when it comes to like, you know, oh, you know, my palate has grown more sophisticated. When I saw this, it was well, no. When I should have seen this. I went with a group of friends uh, to see to the drive-in, and this was playing with Lilo and Stitch. It was Lilo and Stitch, uh... and then this. But the people that I was with were like, "Meh, we don't really want to see this." And at the time, I wasn't driving; I didn't have a car. And everybody's like, "Oh, we're all gonna go," and I'm like, "Okay." Did you go see Lilo and Stitch? We saw Lilo and Stitch and then left before this. Because nobody wanted to watch the fucking dragon movie. I'm like, nobody... They're like, oh, this is going to be stupid. I don't want to see this. I'm like, I I, I want to see this. <laughs> like, Hello, I have an opinion. Does big it monster! <laughs> but, like, I wasn't driving. Right. Right. But I did, like, and I forgot about it and, like... The following year, I think it might have been 03 or 04, I found this movie and I was like, this is the fucking movie I wanted to watch and nobody wanted to watch it with me. I'm buying this. So I bought it and I finally watched it. I'm like, this is amazing. Why didn't anyone want to see this? And then I forced them to watch it. And they were like, oh, this is so good. I'm like, we could have watched it together at the drive-in. Is this another Game Boy thing? No, because this is just like a two-minute thing. Game Boy went on for... uh, Close to twenty years. Um, but speaking of Game Boy, I've been rewatching uh, Phantasm, mm-hmm. and I made a uh, a nice Phantasm Photoshop because the end of the first movie is like, "You play a good game, boy," and I was like, "I'm gonna Photoshop him holding a Game Boy instead of a sphere," and I did. And that's the end of that story. So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about Creedy and Quinn and uh, Van Zan. Um, and I will just throw this out there. I really think that in the third Planet of the Apes movie that came out, Woody Harrelson was doing a great Matthew McConaughey in Reign of Fire impression. Yes. Like, yes. Looks the same, like bald, muscular, like just looks so much like him. Like it shaves his head with a goddamn knife. Like it's nutty. Shirtless in a snowstorm. Like, yeah, that's definitely who he's trying to be. So we wanted to discuss because this is one of those post-apocalyptic movies that I if I mean I might be wrong because you know I haven't seen everything I haven't read everything there might be something else out there that I'm not familiar with but as far as I know from what I have seen this is the only post-apocalyptic dragon movie like I'm not counting like Aragon or How to Train Your Dragon because those take place in like fantasy worlds Mhm this is the this only takes place like, in the fantasy world of England. Some place called London. 
uh, in the far off year of 2084. 2020. In the trailer that I recorded for this, it said London 2084. Right. But in the f- actual film itself, it says 2020. Oh, that's weird. There were some discrepancies. Yeah, there were some discrepancies between the two. Yeah, because in all the trailers and stuff, it said 2084. But in the actual movie itself, you know, it's in the far off year of 2020. That's what and I I'm thought. so glad that I didn't have Dragon Apocalypse on my bingo card. Yeah, like some sort of cataclysmic event affecting the entire planet in 2020 <laughs> fantasy jesus of course if that actually did happen in 2020 people would be like oh there's no such thing as dragons as they walk outside with dragons flying around burning everything nope nope that's just some kid with a magnifying glass oh arson all right, fine. We'll agree that global warming is Arson. a thing. We'll agree that global warming is a thing. It's getting a little warmer here. Oh no, I'm dead. Like it's so so anyways, there are a lot of different type of apocalypse films and apocalypse television series and stuff. So our getting into character question for today is if you could survive any type of apocalypse, what type of apocalypse would you choose? You know, it's funny. I was driving around. I was uh, driving our buddy uh, Dynamo Mars to work the other day, and I was actually thinking about uh, a version of this question. And I was thinking, you know, the people who have the best, uh, you know, bunkers and security, like, you know, they have these uh, converted missile silos that, you know, can withstand you know, nuclear attacks and whatnot, and they're fully stocked, and, like, they're only for, like, super, super rich people. And it's, like, the last group that I would want to be with is a group of super rich people because what they're used to is hoarding all the resources for themselves. So there would be a lot of infighting, and they would just eat each other eventually. Like, oh, uh, I have, you know, and it's kind of, think about how what we went through with toilet paper last year. It's like, well, I have 60 rolls, but I don't want you to have any because eventually I'll run out. So if I well, take I mean, yours too. Look at what happened when we were in Walmart that time. There was this woman ugh. who had an arm full Several of, packages of Clorox wipes. Three packs. And, and, and there were none left in the store. Absolutely none. And we only wanted one. She one would container. Not give me one. She had three. one container. She had yeah, yeah, these like three three packs and like a couple of just, you know, regular normal sized containers. And uh, she's like, "Well, I have a family." Yeah, everybody's got and I told her, I said, "Everybody's got a family. Why do you need all of them? I just want one. You still have like nine. I just want one." And she just like kept shaking her. she was like, "No, no." And she was no, like hugging no. them to her body. Like, daring me to try to take them from her, which, of course, I'm not going to fucking do, but, like, Jesus Christ. Like, what the fuck is wrong with people? That is exactly what you would see from these rich assholes. Mm -hmm. All these millionaire, like, multi-millionaire and billionaires that are able to afford these things. It's like, well, I'm the most important. You should give me all the resources. You know, I should be in charge of the food. I should be in charge of the water. This is why we should eat the rich. Just, just seriously, we should just eat the rich. Um, you know, so, and, 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 and this apocalypse that we're kind of in right now, uh, not a fan. No. Not a fan. This is not what I signed up for. 
uh, and it's bullshit. No, I don't want the, uh, you know, the the Arctic shouldn't be on fire. The Siberia should not be hotter than Death Valley. Like that, that's just a thing that shouldn't happen. Um, like, yeah, we're not going to get into all this, but like the shit that's going on now, like two weeks ago at around 10 o'clock, we get a message like find shelter immediately because tornadoes are coming. Tornado warning on our phone, like find shelter now. Like this isn't a joke where if you're out driving, find a place to hide. If you're in your house, get to a safe spot away from any windows. So we had tornado warning, and then the next day was flood warning, and then that weekend was Hurricane Henri, and then Monday we got woken up, your phone went off at 7.30 for flash flood warnings, and Tuesday was flash flood, and then Wednesday was tornadoes again. So weather patterns are fucking insane. So here in Massachusetts, we will get, you know, 100-plus degree days in between our tornadoes and floods. And then this winter, we'll see negative 50 below with the polar vortexes and, and or vortices and, and whatnot. So we're going to see a lot of this awful, awful stuff happening. So hooray for us. Um, but yeah, to circle back to what we were talking about, if I were to be in any type of... I don't know. I think I'd want to go water world. I'd be... Be like, oh, silly sailor has trapped us in his floating aqua world. Like that's where I would be, aqua world. Are you are you also gonna talk like that repeatedly too? Or? No, that was only only if I get trapped by silly sailor and imprisoned on his floating aqua world. If you've seen the uh, radioactive man movie uh, episode of uh, of uh, the Simpsons. You'll get that. I can't believe Silly Sailor beat us both up and imprisoned us on his floating aqua world. Because it came out around the same time as Waterworld, which, you know, isn't all that far-fetched as we think about it now. Um, but yeah, it would be. I think that would be an interesting one. Um, I'd rather there be too much water than not enough. And then I know you can't really drink seawater, but at this point, because of all the ice caps melting, like the water is... Slightly less, slightly less uh, saline, and you can always get, uh, you know, uh, water filtration systems. And of course, you could just be like uh, Kevin Costner and recycle your own urine. So I mean, whatever works for you. And I'm sure it rains. It rains fresh water. So, and I like boats. I'd train a shark. He'd be my buddy. We'd just ride around. Yeah, see, this is where we, yeah, okay. I, I was waiting for something <laughs> like that. Like, oh, I would I would have a shark pet. He would be my he buddy. He would be on a leash. No, I would ride him. He'd be free range. He would be free range. But he would come back and he would, he, would, he would keep coming back because I would feed him. So he would come back and, like, we'd you know, go on adventures. Mm -hmm. We'd go explore sunken cities and find treasure and trade it for tomato plants. That we could grow on our our trimaran. Yeah, that's what I would do. How about you? What's your apocalypse that you'd want to be in? Zombies. Like the cat? Yeah, it's a cat apocalypse. No, Just like our cat zombies. Cats everywhere. Um, that would that would be amazing. It would um, be so cozy. No, I I really think that. Uh, I would want to be one of those crazy ladies in the zombie apocalypse. 
Which ones? There's like 17 different kinds. I mean, like the ones that are kind of crazy, but not really crazy. Like they they make good points. Like, what's your name from the mist that kept quoting all the Bible verses? Well, no, no, I'm not going to be quoting any Bible verses soon. Knowing me, it would be like sex in the city quotes. That's fair. Yeah. I did see a funny thing earlier today. It was a TikTok thing that I shared it. It was like some blonde girl was like, tell me something that's not in the Bible that everybody thinks is in the Bible. And there was some lady, and she like takes a drag on her cigarette or drinks a drink, whatever, and just goes, white people. That's <laughs> 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 like, accurate. <laughs> no, but there was a time where we lived in this apartment and it was on a third floor, which would have been perfect for a zombie apocalypse. And I thought about that quite frequently because there was a grocery store like right next to the apartment complex. Well, it wasn't right next. It was it, it was within considerable walking distance. I had to make that walk in the ice and snow and it took a while. Um, it was if you walked straight about half a mile you know going up that side road and over it's about half a right, mile right but it's you know and especially you know drivable distance it's not that far so i was thinking like this is kind of the perfect place to to set up shop you know the grocery store is right there i mean you know eventually it would run out of supplies but still for for a while it would be pretty well stocked i mean i thinking of that apartment complex if you kind of like walled off like all the entrance because all the buildings were like kind of connected you could like create a perimeter around then you had that courtyard in the middle where you could grow crops like i would dig a moat like a ditch fill it with spikes so when the zombies fall in they just land on the spikes yeah i mean you could fortify that fairly easily i think see like here's the thing sometimes you know people think that oh in order to survive a zombie pop apocalypse i need to be like really smart with like you know and knowledgeable of hand-to-hand combat and you know know how to use weapons and stuff and sometimes it's just being smart about your location and where you set things up and how you conduct things based on what we have seen uh over the past year or so um if i'm looking for anybody who is going to be part of a zombie apocalypse i'm not looking for the military types uh, because generally, especially when you watch these movies, the military types are never the ones who do anything other than go and take somebody else's resources or protect their own resources. Well, and again, the rich, like, fuck the rich. You don't have anything for me. I'm not going to save you. Um, no, the people who I want on my team. I want my... gardeners. I want veterinarians. Um, any type of medical people. Like, I don't care if you're a paramedic, a firefighter, whatever. Uh, people who know, people who know uh, like, mechanics. Well, not only that, uh, I want my horror family there. I want people who are fully aware of all the different types of zombies and all the different types of situations that they can be in. You know, you think that the, the, the crazed fan who's like, oh, that kill in this movie and that happened and stuff. And, you know, those are the people who are, who are going to be able to dig into their wealth of knowledge and resource from all of these films that I they've watched. I saw this trap or this plan and this worked in this 
movie or this book or whatever. Well, and exactly. Like, and that's why you would need the engineers and the mechanics. So you need a, a diverse group. Um, if I'm picking one person, like out of our like horror people that we know, if I'm picking one person to join us, um, I actually was thinking about this the other day too. <laughs> Um, because I think about random horror stuff all the time and like, you know, who would I want? Who would be useful? Um, wait, are we thinking of the same person? Who are you thinking? Should we one, two, three it? No, just tell me who you think. Cause I don't think it's a... James Lamond. No, no, not Jimmy Lambs. Uh, Constance Payne. Oh, she would also be because she is a fucking badass. She's a super badass. And she has performed all of these stunts and all of these different films. She's super badass. She's uh, got training with all kinds of different weapons, hand-to-hand fighting. Uh, she also has uh, a lot of other basic skills that would be great in a zombie apocalypse. So I would go uh, with her. Uh, we have some friends that grow plants. Uh, we'd want our plant friends because you know, we need somebody to tend to the crops and know what's going on. You're a scientist. Uh, I'm super handsome. So so you're bringing that to the table. Well, I'm also bringing the, uh, you know, my unique way of looking at things, uh, my planning and st- stratigorical uh, abilities, mm-hmm. like making up words such as stratigorical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... That's what I would go with. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Jimmy Lambs, Jimmy Lambs would be a valuable asset. Like I'm just thinking just a horror knowledge in general. I mean, I'd, we go Jimmy Lambs, we go Crystal Carnage, we go Jeremy Aruda, uh, Marcus Slavin, uh, uh, Jeremy Saffer, uh, Steve Van Sampson, D. Rook, like... I mean, just keep listing off my favorite people, please. I know, I'll do. Just, <laughs> you know, Alyssa, you know, like we could we could just go on and on, just basically. And then, like, I mean, friends. obviously, right? You know, and then we're gonna need we're gonna need Coop because we're gonna need him because he's just uh, his his leadership abilities alone mm-hmm. are just fantastic. The way yep. that he's able to keep a, an even keel, being need, able to stay level headed through everything. We need powerful Brandon uh, because he also brings with him a tiny German. And a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> the new world will need puppies. Like, that's just the way it is. So, uh, as we continue to list off our friends, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are talking about the characters from 2002's Reign of Fire. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? 
Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet Films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. to a million in less than a year. Highly evolved. They have great vision in the day. They have even better vision at night. Extremely intelligent. He's playing hunting. More like cat and mouse. Unbelievably powerful. Two glands in the mouth secrete separate chemicals. Combine an exhalation, nitro napalm. And one will lead them. There's nothing magical about it. They're made of flesh and blood. You take out their heart, you bring down the beast. We found out where they started. We're going to London. This summer, vertical one up. The plan is set. 1600 yards, closing fast. The arsenal has been assembled. Get ready to rock and roll. Each other! got one chance to take back their world. Matthew McConaughey, Christian Bale. Reign of Fire. And we are back. That, of course, being the trailer for... Uh for this movie, which again uh, does have some inconsistencies like uh, Ash has mentioned earlier, where the film itself uh, tells us that we are in the year 2020 at the beginning, but the trailer tells us 2084. So unless Christian Bale 
aged 64 years and is actually 80 in this movie uh, as an adult. I don't, I don't think that's accurate. So I'm going to go with what's in the film itself, you know, as opposed to the trailer. Because as we've learned from Marvel films, just because it's in the trailer doesn't mean it's in the film. So when the film itself tells you when it's when the the, the timeline is, that's what you go with. So 2020, which again was you know nearly two decades in the future from when the film was made and, and came out. Um, I don't know if anybody was guessing dragons, but uh, I do like the dragons. It's kind of like um, maybe somebody, and I didn't find this in any of my research, but maybe the folks who wrote this were fans of George R.R. R. Martin because in uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, which is the book series upon which Game of Thrones is based, the dragons are metaphors for nuclear weapons. And there's even a line in the movie when they're trying to go to London and they end up in Pembury. And they're like, oh, what happened here? Nukes? And it's like, nope. It wasn't nukes. It was dragons, you know? Um, dragon. Dragon! Like, <laughs> that was so loud. If you've ever seen uh, <laughs> the episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they go on Family Feud and the question is, name an animal that... We that uh, eats us, but we don't eat, or the other way around, we eat that do- doesn't eat us. Charlie yells dragon, and that was like the last answer on the board, and that's how they won. <laughs> and Charlie realizes that he was in the survey, so he has all the answers. <laughs> um, so, like, no matter how insane it might be, like, Charlie's gonna get the win every single time, uh, which is really funny. But, um, you know, I think. They might have taken a page out of his books, quite literally, and used the uh, the dragons as metaphors for nuclear weapons. Um, which, no, not a bad idea. Like, not a, you know, not not new. But I like it. I like it a lot. You know, uh, there's also a little bit of uh, Lord of the Rings. Um. You know, uh, symbolism in there. You know, like uh, the dwarves delve too deep and woke something, and you end up being, you know, the fiery Balrog. Or you could, you know, obviously throw Smaug in there. But uh, what did you find out? And first of all, when you first saw this, when I finally made you watch this last year, what were your initial thoughts? Because I already gave mine. So I thought it was really interesting, the whole uh, plot of the story um you know this whole dragon apocalypse I, I don't we see it in all of these like medieval and uh fantasy driven stuff but the fact that they took the dragons and put it in present time um i thought was brilliant i thought it was so well done and the way that they kind of handled everything it was uh almost like Lord of the Rings meets Mad Arthurian. Max. Well, they even they even made that reference, you know, when uh, we meet Van Zant and and Christian Bale as the leader of the community allows him through the gates. Not that he had much of a choice, but he leads him through the gates, and Gerard Butler's like, "What's going on?" And he's like, "He's a dragon slayer." Oh, and I suppose that makes you King Arthur, then, doesn't it? Right, but, you know, the way that they presented these characters and the way that they told this story, you know, the fact that they hadn't had any 
human contact for months outside of the people in this community that they created and the reason why they you know created this community and you know how it was pretty self-sufficient for the most part uh until obviously the dragon comes and destroys part of their crops well all and, of their yeah crops. all of their crops because they were uh the dragon was drawn there because of uh that one guy who didn't want to go along with every what everybody else agreed to. But you see them far along in this progression of this dragon apocalypse. So they, they know what works. They know it doesn't work. They've obviously been doing certain things to keep them alive. You see how smart and resourceful that these people, you know, how, how smart and resourceful they can be. And well, one of the first guys we meet is a, uh, engineer who used to make blast furnaces you know getting the water system well just just that's what i was in, uh just thinking of the whole water system on the trucks the, the water, water sprays on, on the, the wheels. wheels that's what we were just talking yeah, about yeah so that it. the rubber doesn't burn up and or melt or whatever like i just thought that was genius you see all of these little things that you know clearly they have been living this they have been dealing with this for a while so i thought it was really i mean and, and it's just it's a big fun action film without being like ridiculous and over the top. Yeah. Although I will say the scene that's in the the trailer of Matthew McConaughey all like shirtless and muscle leaping from the tower with his fucking axe to challenge a dragon. That was ridiculous. <laughs> but it ended the way it should have fucking ended. <laughs> like the way that ended was But I thought, the, you know, it's it's they created this universe, they told a story, they created rules and they stuck to those rules. Yes. And people were learning things like you were learning things in time with what they were learning. They were figuring things out like the whole, you know, male dragon. There's only one. You kill the male. You'll eventually the rest of the species will die off because he's they spawn and whatnot. Um, you know, like so fish. it's it's uh I thought it was really well done. Plus, I mean, it's fun. like the the CGI isn't terrible for early two thousand stuff. No, I thought it was pretty good. Like uh, the dragon vision, I liked. Um, I also really liked the way that the the um, the way the dragon spit fire, which is uh, based on uh, nature, because there's like a beetle or something that yeah. Does so that. it's actually. Um, yeah, the method by which the dragons expel fire was inspired by two animals, the spitting cobra and the bombardier beetle. Bombardier beetle, yes. Yeah, they, uh, it has two, uh, two glands that when it mixed together, like individually it's fine, but when they mix together, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say I also really appreciated the, the like, backstory that these scientists give. You know, uh, "'Twas not the Ice Age that killed the dinosaurs. It was dragons. Dragons, you know, and roasting. And the, the ashes the, yeah. from them killing the dinosaurs brought on the Ice Age. Nuclear uh, winter, yeah. Which ultimately led to their demise, or so we thought well it's the uh, it's the cycle that he talks about you know where they go they almost starve the male goes into hibernation um until whenever you know whenever the food supply replenishes itself and it just keeps 
And that's what happens within the first five minutes of the film. So we meet Quinn Abercrombie, and he is a child, and he goes to, I'm assuming, this kind of hoity-toity private school. And it appears that he's carrying this letter that he has lost his scholarship to this school because of of whatever reasons. Uh, You know, and he's going to visit his mother, who is currently working in this, you know, London underground mining thing. And, you know, he goes down there and he's just hanging out because, you know, everyone seems to know who he is and he must go there frequently. He's got the great, you know, one-liners, like the guy smoking is like, oh, Quinn, you want? No, I cut back. And then she's like... Have you been smoking? No, I told you I only smoke when I've been drinking. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he's only in the film for a few minutes, but like he's got some witty zingers, and I like the kid. Um, and I think that they made him that way so you could see, like, how damaged and psychologically scarred he was because he was not like that at all, except around kids. As an adult, like when they were reenacting Star Wars, like. Well, I'm not even <gasps> get to that whole time. So, so going back to Quinn and the whole thing, like you know, he's this young spitfire of a kid. His mother is a single parent, and she is working her ass off trying to make ends meet. And it's a story that we hear so many times. I mean, we know people in that position, you know, and and she is disappointed that he lost his scholarship to this school that, you know, costs so much money. And, right, and she's just trying to figure things out. Uh, Quinn is hanging out, you know, and, and just, I don't think he really realizes the gravity of the situation at the time he's just kind of like shrugging it off and uh goes through this crawl space you know he's uh giving shit to one of his mother's co-workers because he was talking shit about his mom he's like oh what brings you to the asshole of the earth and quinn goes oh you just came through it what does that make you like it's like, oh, that's a good line. I missed that the first time I watched it. And they tried to, they're trying to drill through this certain part, and they can't get through, and there's this little cove. The void, they call it. Uh, so they send, they're like, hey, you're small enough, you go in there. So he does. And, which I'm assuming he goes down there, you know, he seems to be uh, really, um... He's practically on payroll. Right. Like, he's, he's down there so often. Uh, so he climbs through and come to find out it's dragon. this dragon's <laughs> lair that they've uncovered. And he pretty much wakes the dragon. I'm, I'm pretty sure the dragon was already awake. It was getting there. But he... Touches the... this dragon, but he doesn't know it's a dragon. He just touches this thing, this scaly thing. It just looks like it's a piece of really cool wicked. rock or something. And come to find out, it's, it's this dragon. It's this male dragon that has been hibernating for thousands of years at this point, you know? Uh, and it wakes up and it unleashes a Spits whole. On him. Spits right in his face. Whole bit of fury. Um, the kid crawls out, and I mean, obviously, he's like really, he's really uh, just just traumatized by all of this. You know, he doesn't know what he just saw. He doesn't know what just happened. Something spit in his face. His eyes are turning beet red. Uh, he 
gets out of the hole just in time trying to explain to people what he just saw what's happening and then this trail of fire just follows him and all of these people are underground and you just kind of know you just know that these people aren't going to make it so he makes his way to his mother who gets into the elevator the little makeshift cage of an elevator to go back up top to try yeah to, to try to you know save themselves and in the process they don't get burned they're able to uh get away from the fire but she is crushed by this ginormous male dragon making his way out of this hole that they're in this like tunnel uh and his mother is crushed to death and and that that's the moment she dies protecting him yeah and that's the moment where like you just know that this kid is not going to be the same and he feels and bad then because he if it flashes forward to you know what is present day so probably 2044 2045 this it's probably 20 years in the future well, no, 2020 is when it takes place. So oh, this was oh, oh, this I was so 2020 the, 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 went at the beginning. No, no, 2020 is when all the dragons happen. So that was present day 2002. Right. Okay. So See, and I was going to say I think he holds this guilt because if he hadn't gotten sprayed in the face, she wouldn't have stopped to take him to the eye wash station as rinse his eyes out and they might have made it up to the surface. Well, not only that, like, if he had just not gone down there in the first place. Well, I mean, he had to. Like, I think but, that's where know, he went after school. But that is something that obviously stays with him because this community that he is a part of, that he's head of, is mostly um, orphan children. Yeah, he even that has he that, cares that for. line when uh, the helicopter pilot, whose name is escaping me right now, she's like, oh, is that yours? He goes, no, I got him at the pound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but and I think that's uh, that's the burden that he takes with him. And I think that's what makes this character. There's a lot of layers to this character that slowly get unfolded a little bit throughout the film. But that's the big thing is the fact that he is this protector for all of these children who have lost their parents. And he feels solely responsible for all of them. And that's why he tries so hard to save. And, and you know, we lose one. In the beginning. Yes. Uh, and he is just devastated over it because he feels like he has failed somehow. Even though it's it's a direct result of the the guy going, because uh, they lose two people. They lose one kid, like you said, and they lose an adult. Um, but it's a direct result of the guy going in his room, stealing the keys, taking the truck down to go harvest the crop, which he had said, like, it's not ready to harvest because if we harvest now, the seeds won't, it won't germinate. There'll be no more seeds. And that's it. Like, it's, we won't be able to plant anything. There'll be no more food. And the guy's like, yeah, well, it's easy to you to, easy for you to say, you don't have any kids. And then, you know, that kind of sticks with him later. And he's like, you know, maybe he was right. You know, maybe it's right. You're right because it's easy to stand back and what does he say? Square your shoulders when you don't have kids. So I get I get that. You know, and I think that's what makes him such a great, <clears throat> excuse me, such a great leader, too. So they're living in this castle, which 
they have turned into this whole just community center. They're using it as a fortress as it was intended. Right. You know, so obviously they have their crops and everything, but there's, you know, a lot to do inside as well, uh, including reenacting scenes from Star Wars the to entertain the, <laughs> the Black Knight and the White Knight. Children. Um, Mr. Quinn, did you write that? Of course I did. (laughs) (laughs) The best part is when, because they're reenacting the scene where Luke finds out that Vader is his, uh, sorry, spoiler alert, Luke finds out that Vader is his father, and he gets his hand cut off, and like they reenact that, and the kids are all like, oh my god, and Gerard Butler kind of like sticks his hand out like, it's it's okay, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a skit, don't worry about it. So it's just just cracking one of his spoops. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and that's where we meet Creedy, really, uh, as well, well. We get to well, see we, him. We see him a little bit before. We, we learn that he's, uh, we're shown that he's the second in command right at the beginning when uh, Quinn is confronting uh, Charlie, I think it is, about the crops and harvesting the crops. And Creedy says to him, like, like, all right, you're free to go, but if you le- go outside those gates, might as well keep going because you're not getting back in. So, like, it kind of gives you what the dynamic is, but you have no idea about anything else. Like, we still don't know where they met. We don't know how they came to be friends, how he came to be second in command. Like, we know nothing about it. We just know that they, you know, perform these little skits for the children to keep them entertained. Yeah, and... You know, so I mean, so this place takes place in 2002. So they could they could also do Attack of the Clones. They could they could uh, do that as well. So, I mean, provided he saw Attack of the Clones before the world ended, because that's when that came out, and then they would have missed uh, Revenge of the Sith because that came out in 05. But they got five Star Wars movies. They don't have the 11 that we have. They only have five, less than half. Less than half. That's the true tragedy of, <laughs> of <laughs> Reign of Fire. Pa- pardon me, envy them a little bit. But anyways, um, so we we see the dynamic between the two, and obviously they're friends, and we don't really learn, like you said, too much about Creedy, the character. We just know that uh, he is someone that Quinn kind of bounces off and of. And he's very Scottish. Oh, and he's very Scottish, that Scottish brogue. Um <laughs> But they are facing devastation because their crops have been completely annihilated by this dragon. And they hadn't seen a dragon for a while. It had been in like a, a, three months, I yeah, believe. Yeah, I was going to say it had been several so, months. So, you know, and their whole point is they're trying to ride out this apocalypse in this fortress, hoping that they can outlive, you know, outlast the dragons. And they know the Not dragons. really knowing, you know, uh, how many are out there? Right, and they know the dragons are starving because they hadn't seen them. Because dragons eat ash, and everything is burnt. So if everything is burnt, there's nothing left to burn. So the dragons are struggling, but they're also very desperate because their food supply is dwindling. Tons of water, plenty of water, because like we see them just spraying it fucking everywhere. Like, like you mentioned, spraying it all over the tires and on the trucks when they go to rescue those idiots that got the crop destroyed but they uh yeah they uh 
And in the midst of all this, you know, they're trying to, you know, Quinn is trying to figure it out. He's talking to Creedy, you know, trying to trying to form a plan, you know, because his ultimate goal is to just save these kids. You know, these kids have been through enough and he doesn't want to uh, inflict any more pain and torment on them. You know, he's trying to provide the most comfortable life that he can possibly provide for these kids. But he's also making sure that they understand the reality of the situation. Well, and that's with the thing too. Prayer. With the yeah, with the 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 chant, which kind of reminds me of Fido a little bit. But uh, you know, Fido is a little more chest, playful. Are the very um, best. But yeah, in these these chants that they do, uh, you know, reminding them to stay low. And if you see it, like tunnel, it was. What do we do? When we wake, keep both eyes on the sky. What do we do when we sleep? Keep one eye on the sky. What do we do if we see him? Uh, like, it's like run, run hard, run when, fast. Don't dig, look back. Don't look, dig deep. Don't look back. I'm pretty sure it's, like that's how it ends. But like, yeah, like it's it's uh, it remind like. But again, you know, like all things, like we've talked about this before, um, it's abstract. Until you see these things with your own eyes, it's abstract. And he has somehow managed to protect these kids to where most of them had actually hadn't seen one. Yeah, I, I would say most of them, because uh, most of them were born either in the castle or were strays, you know, orphans that they strays well, i mean <laughs> yeah stray. well he did say pound he did say strays. he got them from the pound so. they're feral oh, my feral, feral children the children um, of feral so they get these visitors and these visitors kind of happen at the right time uh and in a really interesting manner too they show up and this is the part that kind of remind me a little bit of mad max just you know the way that they caravan in and they have you know these crazy like Tanks, cars, things going. This is one of my biggest gripes, and Mad Max addresses it, but this is one of my biggest gripes with post-apocalyptic films. Uh, if you're lucky, and this goes out to everybody who is uh, getting bags of gas and putting them in their car uh, in a couple months back, gasoline is only viable for like six months, so... Getting thousands of gallons and storing them, not going to do much for you. And so this takes place close to 20 years after the world ended. So where are they getting fuel for these tanks and a fucking helicopter? That's where I, I, I don't understand. Although, I don't know. Maybe uh, the United States didn't get decimated as quickly. Maybe it took longer because, you know, the dragons were in Europe first. and They would have had to cross the ocean. Because um, this did originate in England, so it makes sense that London would get hit the hardest. You know, we don't really get a... I mean, we get a little bit of a timeline with some of these magazine clippings, but we only have them from London's point of view. Like, once things... Right, we don't really know what's happening with the rest of the world right now. Right. Like, we don't know what's going on with America. We, like, we get a little bit of what's going on in America with, you know, the the quick little update from Van Zant, but everything else like we don't we don't know yeah and so that's who's leading that caravan his name is Denton Van Zant he is played by Matthew McConaughey and he is 
Definitely Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> He's Action McConaughey. Action McConaughey. Because um, he's absolutely, he's wearing he's b- like a ruthless. sleeveless bomber jacket. Like everybody else is like all cold and everything. He's got like, he's fucking ripped. Like he's not lean and shredded like he was for say that Magic Mike movie. He's bulked up and he's jacked. Um, I only know he was in one of the commercials for that Magic Mike movie. Oh, and I he don't. says... He goes, you're not allowed to touch me. It's against the law. But I see a whole lot of lawbreakers in this room. Like, he was very lean and cut. So, fun fact, Christian Bale actually started losing a lot of weight for this role. I mean, and we all know that's what Christian Bale does at this point. He loses weight. He gains weight. He's definitely a character actor. Uh so he was thinking, like, you know, it's a post-apocalyptic film. There's food is scarce. Like, my character's probably going to be rather thin. He's the type of guy that would... Looking a little malnourished. So kid- he didn't look malnourished. He looked... Well, no, f- excuse, just, 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 I'm not finished yet. That was his thought, Try, you know, losing weight for the film. And then he saw Matthew McConaughey all jacked up like Matthew McConaughey definitely went to the gym and put on weight oh, yeah. in the form of muscle for this role and then Christian Bale thinking well you know the two characters have this fight scene together and it would be a lot more uh believable if Christian Bale's character was not emaciated yeah because the first time we see him he's fucking pickaxing a, a tunnel with the right, and you know, and and Quinn Abercrombie is a very active character, you know. So he I, I feel by like example. exactly. So like you know, he wasn't super jacked for this role. Uh, definitely not the, the 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 biggest that we've seen him as far as muscle. He was mask somewhere goes. between the fighter and Batman Begins. But he definitely wasn't. Uh, he wasn't the machinist. No, no, no. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. Like he was kind of. You know, because he was like a you know a drug addict in um, in the fighter, he was really thin for that. But he still had like a little bit of definition. But so he was like the next step up. Like he wasn't emaciated, like you said. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he was somebody who works for a living. Right. And uses he definitely their wasn't Bruce Wayne. Uh, but you know, I feel like it was m- maybe a little. A little bit more than his normal build, I, I would assume. He looked the way McConaughey usually looks in his movies. You know, so, yeah. So in order for uh, things to look more evenly matched and, like, more realistic, he packed on. So instead of going one way, he went the other way. Yeah, yeah. And Matthew McConaughey, apparently, he is a, a character actor as well. So um, in an interview with uh, some magazine, the actor who played AJ said, quote, the only thing I remember about that uh, filming the, the movie uh, was the first day the AD came into the trailer where we were, we were all having our makeup and shit done. And he was like, guys, I need your attention, please. And we were like, yeah. And he said, um, Mr. McConaughey is going to arrive on set in about 15 minutes. And I have to give you a directive. 
which comes from the producers, that you are not to call him Matthew or Mr. McConaughey or anything to do with his real life. You must call him Van Zan. And even if you meet him outside in the road, even if you meet him out in town, because this was filmed in Ireland and around Dublin. So even if you meet him out in town or around Dublin, um, you must call him Van Zan. And that is exactly what I, and this is what he said, uh, and that is exactly what I remember about that movie because as that first AD left the building, I shouted rather lamely, and he's got to call me Elvis, but he didn't call me Elvis. In fact, he didn't call me anything. That's fair. But yeah, so apparently McConaughey, super character actor, like stays in character, like, you know, method acting. Not quite to the level of, say, a Daniel Day-Lewis. Well, no, no, but... uh, But but no, I appreciate, like, and not quite to the insanity levels of, say, a Jared Leto Suicide Squad Joker. Well, I mean, he wasn't sending dead rats to anybody. Or condoms. Uh, But, you know... Matthew McConaughey as Van Zandt, he definitely gives me a, um, I keep saying Mad Max, but like that, that's kind of what it is. It's like post-apocalyptic, you know, somebody who thrives in the apocalyptic setting. Somebody who is, you know, not great for society, but the fall of civilization definitely fits their personality. And Max like, Rockatansky, that's a, that's a good, uh. Uh. You know, and his his personality uh, is the death of his character is very fitting when it comes to how the character conducted himself in this apocalyptic setting and, you know, just his overall personality because he is a dragon slayer. Yeah, suicide by dragon uh, is essentially, I mean... And this is another thing. We talked about this a little bit, you know, before we started recording because we were talking about the apocalypse uh, scenario. Like, you know, <laughs> they tried all these different things, like, you know, because in every one of these apocalyptic movies, you know, like Terminator and stuff like that, there's always like, we tried the, we tried nuclear weapons and it didn't work. And it's like, oh, so you with your rifle, that's going to work. Your rifle, your bat, your axe. Here's the thing. So, you know, Van Zandt and his people come. And the thing that, you know, initially, um, you know, I'm trying, what am I, what am I trying to say here? So, like, because the apple thing, the apple thing, he throws a guy, the, the Granny Smith apple. Yeah. To show like, hey, like, you know, we can provide for you, like, or we can, we can help you. We don't we can need help you. you. We don't need you. We're self-sufficient. Right. You need us. We have us. so many supplies. Here you go. Right. Uh, you know, kind of the struggle uh, for for dominance between Van Zan and Quinn that ultimately, you know, leads to the destruction to them of everything. Fighting and arguing and stuff on uh, the, the the physical fighting, um, but. What happens would not have happened if the two had not met. And they, they, their personalities led to this because, you know, like we get so, the, the 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 line that he says. He's like, "I lead, you follow." And then at the end, you know, Van Zandt, with all his training, realizes that like he's he's relying on Quinn. 
Well, not only that, uh, the two are very yin and yang. So, you know, opposite, but when they work together, they work together really well. When they, they allow themselves to actually get along and work together. They have the same goal, but they're going about it different exactly. ways. Exactly. So, you know, with these people coming into the camp, uh, it, it they, they, they bring a lot with them. So, obviously, he has killed, what does this say, like 200 dragons. Um not just Van Zan, but him and and his his you know yeah, caravan his, of people, his archangels. Um, you know, they bring with them this knowledge that Quinn and his people don't have of these dragons, which which you know in, includes the dragon's main weaknesses, which is poor vision during twilight, yeah. and that is a huge thing. They also bring with him um, Alex, the helicopter pilot. Yes. She noticed that all of the dragons that they killed, and like I said, there was like 200 dragons, they were all female. All female. Yeah, and she has the line in the trailer, she goes, how'd they go from one to a million in over a year, in just over a year? You know, so she is the one who postulates that they reproduce quickly because the species relies on a single male to fertilize all of the eggs. Yes. You know, one male going around and fertilizing all of the eggs all over the world. And that's why, you know, they're able to, to you know, one, one male. So yeah, I was going to say, like, one male can fertilize a lot of eggs. Um, and that's why they don't see him, because he's always very tired. Yes. Um, he's also about eight times bigger than... Well, and that's why Quinn, thinking back to you know the beginning of the film when we are first introduced to this character, he believes that it was the male coming out that killed his mother. And, you know, to kind of touch on what you were saying before about the... Uh, the main conflict between the two of them is Quinn is trying to protect his people that he's been protecting for years. And, you know, Creedy makes the, the reference to another group of crazed Marines that came out and like, yeah, they can kill dragons, but like they don't know how to do anything else. All they know how to do is steal other people's resources, you know, and they had to fight against this, this, uh, you know, military group. Um, Van Zant is like, okay, we need, we need some volunteers. Nobody wants a volunteer. Okay, we're going to start drafting people. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Quinn's just like, no. Like, somebody tried this already. They went to Pembry on their way to kill this dragon. Dragon found them, backtracked them. Oh, they went from Pembry to London. The dragon found them, backtracked, and destroyed. He goes, you haven't seen destruction like this. And that's where they get attacked is in Pembry when he goes and takes all his men after he kicks the shit out of Quinn because uh, Quinn attacks him and he just kicks the shit because they're not evenly matched. Quinn does not have military training. And the dragon destroys, kills everybody. Like, And again, this macho bullshit of like, we're going to go kill the dragon. Like, He's shooting at this thing, which probably has like, I don't know, a 500-foot wingspan with a shotgun. Like, he's just shooting at it right, like that's going to that, do anything. But the thing that Quinn warned about is the exact thing that happened. And it led to the death of almost 70 people because when they had all the kids in the in the basement, he was going to go back up, and he's like, there's 65 people up there, and a bunch of people had already died. Mm -hmm. And 
Creedy's like, you're not going. You stay here. I'll go. And he turns around and goes to run up the stairs. And then we see the male on the outside just rear back and just blast flame down the tunnel. And everybody watches as, you know, the the intense heat shuts the door right as it roasts. Uh, he want to call him. Well, McCready. no, I, it didn't shut. Creedy shut the door. No, he was still far away from it. It was the blast of. It was the force of the heat. That shut the door. Uh, okay, on. I thought Creedy shut the door no, as like was, a, I'm sacrificing was, myself. He he turned around and looked like, oh, I'm so fucked. But he was halfway up those stairs. He wasn't close to the door. Like, because I I made a point to when I watched it because I was like, did he shut the door? Or like, because I couldn't remember. So when we rewatched it, I made a point because I wanted to bring that up. Like, it was the force of that blast of heat and energy that just. Slammed the door shut and just roasted him along with it and like crumbled everything. And then we find uh, Van Zan and uh, Alex digging the rocks out of the uh, out of the way. Um, and they use the prayer to kind of calm the kids down. But Quinn can't make it through because his best friend just got killed. I mean, I don't think I think it wasn't just Creedy getting killed. I mean, obviously, that was probably the worst of it. But knowing that he failed everybody that I was mean- up up on top he's the leader of this community you know so as the leader you know you feel personally responsible for every single person who is under or your you should leadership. as a good leader right or or you should you're supposed to so he probably felt responsible so it wasn't just the loss of his like best mate you know it was the loss of every single person who he feels like he failed because he was down there with the children right and it wasn't just one or two people. It was a lot. It was 70 Well, at And least. not only that, you know, I think the thing is, is it was the exact thing that he had warned about. He's like, this is what's going to happen if you do this. This is what's going to happen. This is what I'm telling you. And, you know, Van Zandt was like, yeah, you know, uh, whatever. Like, uh, it's, it's not going to happen. That's okay. And, I'm an American military man. And it happened. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like one of those, like... I told you so, and now look at this devastation. You know, like you could have gone about things a different way and spared all of these people, and you didn't. So I think it was just like the the combination of of feelings at that point. And, you know, trying to make yourself not feel those feelings, trying to put on a good front for the kids— you know, who clearly, I mean, they've already been traumatized. They're probably even more traumatized after this. They're all going to need a hell of a lot of like therapy. Like that one girl that he had to drag down. She wouldn't let go. He said, come on, come on. He's just like, let's go. He finally screams at her so she'll let go of the thing because he didn't want to, you know, right, fight with you know, her anymore. But, but it's like, you know, you. it's probably just, you know, a moment of wrestling with all of these emotions and then just trying to swallow them down because, you know, feeling those emotions at that time isn't going to accomplish anything. Right. Like, don't lose your head. Stay calm in the crisis. Let's go. You got to, you got to, you know, just get to where you need to be. Like, we have to get to safety. And, you know, I'm going to be the one to bring you there because it's my responsibility. Like, the kids, you know... You know, that's that's an allegory for the, uh, not an allegory, but a, a metaphor or a, a analog. That's the word I was looking for. An analog for the seeds. Without the kids, there's no germination. You know, there's no, there's no you know, future. That's the, well, exactly. Like, that's the, that's, 
the repopulation of society right there. The planting the of the crops. F- you know. The future crop of people, yeah. the future crop of, yeah. So, you know, he was adamant about protecting the next generation. Because if you protect the, yeah, by, by protecting them, it gives you hope. Mm-hmm. There's hope for the future if those kids stay alive. Right. You know, um, you know, aside from the fact that he feels morally responsible for, you know, taking care of them because of everything that happened, um, you know, maybe Quinn needs therapy, too. Oh, I'm sure Everyone in this, go does. to therapy. Go to therapy. Uh, but anyways, so it, it, Quinn and Alex, the helicopter uh, pilot, and Van Zandt, they go and they hunt down the male. They know the male is here. Uh, and, and it's the perfect opportunity to hunt him down. And they do it in not the neatest way. Uh, it, they have a plan. Things don't go according to plan per se, but things definitely work out in the end. So um, the plan is to... Hold on. The okay. Plan- the, the plan is to split up bait the male into attacking, and then shoot explosives down the dragon's throat. The plan initially works, but the dragon manages to detonate the explosives early. So Van Zan then sacrifices himself as a distraction while Quinn and Alex gather the last of the explosives together. Uh, they lure the dragon to ground level where Quinn fires another explosive into the dragon's mouth, killing it. Yes. So, you know, Van Zandt realized that uh, I don't think he went into it realizing it was a suicide mission. But, um, you know, there's a moment where you just kind of see it in his face and he's ready, you know, and he's killed so many dragons. And I think that at that point he realizes that uh, he was wrong. He needs to make amends for what he did. Exactly. Yep. I totally agree. uh, And that was kind of like his apology. Yeah, to, like, to, to Quinn for killing all of his people and going against what he said. I'm giving you the opportunity and, you know, to save the rest that, of your people. Realizing that, you know, Van Zan lost most of his people, lost all of his people. Yeah, everybody, because Alex every, says to him, where's, where's all the soldiers? And he just opens his hand and ash falls out. Yeah, you know, so he, he kind of failed as a leader and realizes that Quinn has the ability has the potential to continue to be a great leader like Quinn is a great leader and he tried to warn people against what would happen and that did happen and he sees that Quinn has all of these people who are not only looking up to him but relying on him to provide food and shelter and guidance not to mention all of the kids not just people, but all of the kids under his care. And I think that that was the most appropriate thing for Van Zandt to do. Kind of have just the, just this moment of clarity. And then the craziness just kind of goes across his face as he... It reminded me of that scene in Sharknado a little bit where like Finn goes into the shark with the, dives the chainsaw. Into the chains- dives into the chainsaw uh, and cuts his way but out. But like a little bit better. Um you know, just dives into the dragon's mouth with all of these explosives, you know, knowing that that was one way of getting these explosives into the dragon's stomach. And then, you know, 
Quinn was able to complete the task. Yeah, because he told him, he's like, you, you'll be 50 feet away from him. You'll be standing. What he said was, you'll be standing in the furnace. You'll get one shot. And he and, made and, it count. And it worked, yeah. Yeah. He got him, and it was it was awesome. So, um, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to... You want to mention, or you think this is a good place to? I really like the up. ending. I like how they left it open-ended enough. There's this glimmer of hope. You know, Quinn puts Jared his. Uh, the one he got from the pound. Yes, the one that he got from the pound. His pound puppy. Um, this kid that he was kind of grooming to be leader someday. Uh, he puts him oh. in charge of the community, um, while Quinn and Alex, who is still alive. Uh, go out to find more, find more food, find more communities, find more people, you know, knowing that the male has, the male is dead. So it's only a matter of time before all of the dragons die off. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, it ends with the joke about the French. Cause you know, that's kind of funny. It's like, what do they want? I don't know. They're speaking French. They want to talk to who's in charge. Well, that'll be you then, which is the exact same line that Creedy said to him when Van Zant said, who's in charge? And he goes, well, that'll be you then. And he's like, if things go wrong, you know what to do. And Creedy goes, uh, no, I don't. And he's like, me either. <laughs> so there's like a little bit of levity between the two of them, um, which I thought was nice. But, uh, but yeah, if you haven't seen this, I highly recommend it. Um, we own it, so it was easy easy for us to stream it. Uh, we have it on both our uh, on physical and digital. But if you are looking for it, it is free on Tubi. Uh, it will have ads, but otherwise you can always rent it for three bucks or buy it for ten uh, on most streaming services. But Tubi has it for free. Uh, I think it's worth it. I love this movie. Uh, it's about an hour and forty minutes, so it's not overly long, but Great effects, great acting, great uh, actors. I don't know. I'm a huge fan. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will give you some battle results and uh, talk about what's coming down the pipeline. So we'll be right back. At Strong-Willed Sports Memorabilia and more, our mission is to raise as much money and awareness for pediatric cancer research as possible through the giving away of authenticated autographed sports memorabilia and more. All proceeds from our games will be donated to various pediatric cancer foundations, with the majority going to the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and the Jimmy Fund. Our mission to give back began when Craig and Kara's son, William, was diagnosed with a stage 4 Wilms tumor, and his courage to fight and overcome his cancer ultimately led to the start of the hashtag Strong-Willed Movement. For more information on how to donate and support this great cause, please visit the hashtag Strong-Willed Sports Memorabilia and More Facebook group. Greetings, weary adventurer. Do ye have a taste for the exotic? Do regular snacks no longer provide the thrill ye seek? Would ye rather eat a codpiece than another boring candy bar? Then it's time for ye to sink your teeth into Mythical Meats Exotic Game Sticks. Mythical Meats offers a wide variety of exotic flavors based on creatures of legend to give ye a snack experience of epic proportions. Like it hot? Try the Spicy Creatures Sample Pack 
featuring dragon chupacabra and werewolf. More in the mood for something a bit milder? Try the Creatures of the Sky sample pack with Pegasus, Griffin, and Phoenix. Can't decide on which one you want? Why not try the Exotic Flavor sample pack featuring all ten flavors so you can find your favorite? Go to mythicalmeats.com to see the full selection of flavors and place your order. All orders over $49 get free two-day shipping. Mythical Meats Exotic Game Snack Sticks. So good, they're legendary. That was actually the uh, theme song played over the uh, closing credits. That was called Ah, yes, outro credits from two thousand movies that have really interesting bands. That was uh, that was uh, Mad at Gravity with their song "Burn," and if you listen to the lyrics, it's very clear that they got to see the movie before because it's very uh, apropos. So. We promised you when we came back that we would have some battle results. So, Ashes, what do we got for some battle results? So last week, we threw down Battle of the Badass Booze. Couples who slay together stay together. We wanted to know which couple has what it takes to defeat all of the other couples and walk away hand in hand. The sandbox was El Dorado, and the terms were to knock out. And you could choose from Rick and Evie O'Connell from the Mummy series, Van Helsing and Anna Valerius from Van Helsing, Indiana Jones and Marion Ravenwood from, you know, those movies, uh, or Ben Gates and Abigail Chase from National Treasure. And both Facebook and the Twitters are in agreement. Uh, the winner is Indiana Jones and Marion Ravenwood. That's who I voted for. I mean, Indy was still punching Nazis at, you know, fucking 60, and they're making a fifth one. So I don't know what the hell is going to happen now, but... But yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. That's that's uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I I thought it was uh, four quality couples, um, all from excellent movie franchises that I enjoy immensely. Um, so, hey, Ashes. Hey, what? What you watching? So 
if you've been under a rock recently, you don't know the crazy thing that's been going around on social media. Uh, it Which is the, crazy thing? It will look crazy, but um, so it's the 25th anniversary of Blue's Clues, the Nick Jr. show. And some of you may have watched it. Some of you, uh, your siblings may have watched it. Some of you, your, your children may have watched it because uh, it's still on. Um, for me, I watched, well, I should say, quote, my sister watched it, quote, I'm using the, I'm using the air bunnies. Uh, I have no <laughs> strong feelings one way or the other. But, uh, I grew up, my sister watched it and I watched it with her. I mean, we were seven years apart, but I still really enjoyed it. I mean, I was, I was young enough to still be entertained by it. I know that the kind of targeted audience was, you know, toddler to maybe like first grade or so, but I really liked it. I thought it was cute. Um, you know, I liked the animation style. And to be completely honest, I thought Steve was adorable when I was younger. And guess what? He's still a little snack. So, uh, but these videos have been circulating. Um, some of them involving all three hosts. So first it was Steve, and then Steve went off to college, and then it was Joe, who was supposed to be Steve's brother. I think it was his brother. Um, and then it's... Uh, I think they, it was his cellmate. They, um, <laughs> shut up. They did time at Shawshank. <laughs> Shawshank you. Um, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, and then the the, the new guy, I, I forgive his John or something. I forget Rudiger. his name. Uh, but obviously, you know, I I watched from Steve transfer into Joe, um, and then obviously, you know, got to a point where my sister wasn't watching it anymore. But and, you were. Well, I, I mean, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. There were times where like she wouldn't even be in the room, and my mom would be like, "You can change the channel. Your sister's not in here." And I'm just like. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but she might come back. She I'm might good. come back. I don't know. You, you don't know. Um, I remember, like, I forget. They had Blue's Clues toys, and like when I, I don't know if it was Blue's McDonald's Clues, the or... flamethrower. The kids <laughs> love this one. It was like Burger King or McDonald's or maybe it was even Subway. I don't know. But anyways, like I got the kids meal specifically so I could get the Blue's Clues toy. Like my sister couldn't care less. Like I wanted the Blue's Clues toy. But anyways, um, so these these fun little videos have been circling, you know, circling around. And there's one in particular that people are kind of having a moment about. And it was just Steve talking to everybody saying like, hey, you know, I've changed and you've changed. And, you know, I know a lot happened when I just kind of uh, there was a lot of emotions and stuff when I decided to just abruptly leave and go to college. And, you know, but but me going off to college and being able to, you know, do things and achieve my dreams and you guys were there. And it was just it's just just such a good video now i have student debt and need some way to pay it off so i'm making these appearances shut up no it's nice stop ruining this you got so mad at me she got so mad because she's like it. watch this video and i watched it and i was like oh that was nice you're like who's steve no i know who he is it's just i never watched it and i had no connection to it one way or the other so i was like you know it's a very nice message i get it i i appreciate it but like you were expecting some sort of like Emotional response, I just, but I don't but I was just have like, any connection. It was, just, it was nice. 
nice. It was such a nice thing. Like I wasn't going to be like, whoa, Steve have... is still a snack. Well, I mean, he is, but like, it was just, it's just such a nice thing. Oh it's my just... God, it's been 25 years. Blue is long dead. That's sad. Why are you ruining everything right now? Go home, Patrick. I'm, I'm staying here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> this is, now I'm sad. Now I have an emotional attachment to it. But it's just, you know, as as someone who still sings the mail song when I go to the mailbox every day, not every day because you get the mail I sometimes. The mail. Uh, but whenever I check the mail, I I sing the mail song. Um, you know, it's just it's just something that that kind of stays with you. So uh, it was just it was a nice video. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend you do. I mean, your your friends have probably posted it by now. Um, you know, but but anyways, that's what I'm watching. I'm watching all of these like Nick Jr. posts about the 25th anniversary of Blue's Clues, and it's making me feel all of these feelings that I don't want to feel because I've had my I, I had my emotions removed like years ago. So I don't even know why what this a, what this fluid is leaking out of my eyes. It was a fuckectomy. <laughs> oh, you just lot. You don't have any more to give. But uh, but yeah, but these these videos are really nice, and especially that one in particular. It just kind of like sucker punches you right in the feels. And for somebody who, you know, like I said, if you if you grew up watching it, or you know uh, your your siblings watched it, or your kids watched it, it's just a really nice sentiment. And with everything kind of going on right now, and you know this this ball of shit that has just followed us from the end of 2019 into 2021 that we thought we were going to get rid of and it's just still there and things aren't getting any better and you know we're just kind of all wondering how long it's going to be before we just have one giant continuous panic fucking attack. mental breakdown mm. um you know it's just a, it was just a nice thing that happened and my mic stand has broken. So if you hear some weird sound, it's because what my did you, mic... Well, if I, you stopped playing with no, it... it's broken. Like, I can't... I went to tighten it because it kept slowly falling down. And the bolt is broken on my mic stand. So now I have to hold this. Um, this is why we can't have nice things. Well, fortunately, I have multiple backups, so we'll be okay. Um, I just can't get it right now as we are in the middle of recording. Um... You know, and I know most professional podcasts would be like, huh, I'll just pause this and edit it out. And I don't want to do I'm not that. a professional. Nobody pays me. So uh, if, I, if somebody did pay me, I could buy a better mic stand. And that's the moral of that story. I have been watching uh, a lot of movies. And one of the things I'm watching actually ties into our final segment of what's coming down the pipeline. Uh, we have discussed uh, a bunch of different things that we want to do, a bunch of potential uh, topics to discuss for spooky season, because we do love our spooky season. Um, one of the things that I said, I was like, oh, you know what we should do? We should talk about the Sanderson, Sanderson sisters. And you said, we already did. I said, yes, but there's a new movie coming out. And I applied to be an extra. So we'll see what happens with that. Because that's October through December, and you get paid for it. I would love to be an extra in that movie. So I'm just saying, throwing it out there, getting it out into the universe. You know, say it enough times, maybe it'll happen. We'll see. But uh, I also have been watching, uh, re-watching the Phantasm films. 
and I watched those uh, all together a couple years ago, and I'm watching them again now, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff I didn't remember, so it's almost like watching them for the first time. You know, obviously there's a lot of stuff I did remember, but some of the stuff, it's like, man, I forgot how good the practical effects are, and I forgot how every ending... Because I watched the first three. I'm in the, I'm, I started Ravager, uh, not Ravager, Oblivion earlier today. And I forgot how bleak every ending was. I forgot how uh, how great the special effects were. I think the uh, mortuary embalming death at the end of part two, one of the best kills I've ever seen on a uh, main bad guy. So definitely ch check out the Phantasm films if you have not. Um, I know a couple of folks that would like to join us on that show. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what what I've been watching is Phantasm. Obviously, I just watched uh, Reign of Fire, and I watched uh, a lot of my comfort movies. You know, a lot of stuff that I had seen before but hadn't seen in a while. Um, well, I can tell you right now because I keep track. Stupid microphone stand. I keep track of all of them. So I this past week and week or so, um, I watched Rawhead Rex for the first time. 2001, A Space Odyssey, I rewatched. 10 Cloverfield Lane, I love. Reign of Fire, The Thing. Uh, prequel, The Thing, the real one. Van Helsing, Con Air. Bait, which I had not seen. I was in a, a shark move, uh, shark mood. So I watched Bait, which takes place at a... Uh, supermarket after a tsunami in australia uh it was really good except for like this one like the one bad guy that was in it that was just over the top fucking ridiculous and it's like it's like y you could dial down like the evil australian about 30 points and still be a convincing villain uh deep blue sea deep blue sea 2 and deep blue sea 3 um and obviously fa uh phantasm and you know, rewatching reign of fire again so i'm up to 211 uh, I don't think I'm going to hit my goal of 365 this year. But, you know, I might. It all depends on what happens over the next couple of months. But, uh, yeah, been rewatching a lot of uh, old favorites and uh, trying to prepare for spooky season. Because we have some good stuff planned. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that we had not even considered. And, like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, we should talk about this. Including one of the best horror comedies that we have ever seen. Uh, True story. And we're also working on kind of locking down some some guests, some other horror enthusiasts uh, to come share in. So um, it's going to be fun. It's going to oh. be a fun end of September, October, probably into November. And do check out uh, the upcoming episodes uh, in October of Creator Spotlight because we are lining up some awesome horror guests, including someone that you and I got a chance to interview on our show that we would like to bring back, and we may be able to do so. Mm. Um, but we will see what happens. Um, other than that, uh, Ashes, do you have anything else you want to discuss? Uh, so we are going to be, actually, next weekend... At the Happenstance Horror Festival up in New Hampshire. I believe it's at Barnsey's uh, Cinema. So if you're looking for any information, just go to Happenstance Horror Festival or just sort of look up uh, Happenstance on Facebook and you'll find all of the information. Um, so we're going to be there. Also, 
Monster Expo the weekend of October 16th and 17th, which is also known as Ashtoberfest. Uh, we're going to be there in Fairhaven, so check them out on Facebook as well for more information. Yeah, that that uh, that con is Saturday, Sunday, and uh, we will be there along with uh, lots of our friends, and it's going to be a, a grand old time. So, um, I don't know. I don't have anything else. You got anything else? I'm going on vacation. Yeah. Well, I'm going too. So I don't know how much of a vacation it's going to be, but you know. Let's go day drinking. Okay. Bye. All right. So with that being said, we, we will, will see you, you next Thursday. Thursday.